0: This week on Dig Me Out, I save you. I can't even save so save
1: with your hosts Jason Zia and Tim Minichi.
0: Jay, this week we're back with our april poll we had four albums up and our patrons got to vote jay did you did you participate in this poll did you vote for anything probably i usually do there was an album here that i thought you would be particularly interested in of our four yeah
1: what was that
0: well so these were the four we had the last place finisher was estero breathe from another which was mentioned in our uh first episode of the year by chip midnight uh, as being one of his favorite records of 1998 and so i threw it into the poll it only got eight percent unfortunately so the second last vote was the went to um vast which was the one i thought that oh yeah interested. yeah i
1: voted that's what i voted for
0: visual audio sensory theater 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 uh, this was one I I think you got this record like when it came out. Like I think you were on board. You must have read about it in a music magazine or something, or heard about it somewhere.
1: It was like a cutout, like what promo copy I think. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't remember. Maybe I could have just bought it based on it being a dollar or something.
0: So that was the uh, the third place finish. Now second place, which I thought was going to easily win, based on the comments. Was Fugazi's end hits based on how many people talked about how great this record was, I thought, oh, okay, clearly this is going to be the winner, but it wasn't. It lost by four no. percent. stabbing westward's darkest days. That was our winner. and I, I think I have a theory here, Jay, is that everybody <laughs> who is listening to this, or who you know chimes in both on our patreon page or on Facebook with comments who said, oh, Fugazi, that's an amazing album. A lot of people already know it's an amazing album, and you might be interested to hear what our take is, but our take is just going to be one of many takes on that record because it has been written about multiple times, as many Fugazi albums have. They don't have you know, a 30-album deep catalog, so there is a lot, of, lot written critically about those records. On the other hand, even though Stabbing Westward is a well-known name, I don't know that that much has been written about them, especially past the first album, uh, which had you know a big single. This one also had a big single, but the first one had a had a bigger single. So it kind of made sense to me after I thought about it that Stabbing Westward won. I thought Vast might pull it out. I think at some point in the voting, uh, Vast was ahead, but it ended up going to Stabbing Westward. So there you go. That's where we ended up.
1: And That's course, quite a worse race.
0: It was quite a horse race, and I'm glad once again, Jay, we did not go to a tie because <laughs> ties are not fun.
1: It's fun to watch these polls, though, like they start in one direction and then all of a sudden there's a there's a late turn, and I think I'm always surprised by like it's picked.
0: Yes, I want to mention you can go to patreon. dot com forward slash dig me out to become a patron. You can join us for as little as $1 a month. You get to vote in these fun polls. You get to chime in with your comments, which we'll then read on the air. And then also, uh, you, get ele- you are eligible for our quarterly giveaways, one which we just gave away for first quarter. So one of our uh, new logo t-shirts with our new 2018 logo. For Dig Me Out, has been uh, added to the store. We'll add some more stuff to the store at Zazzle.com. Zazzle.com. So, Jay, you were familiar with Stabbing Westward, correct?
1: Yeah, I had the, um, was it Blister or something? something? Wither,
0: Blister, Wither, Peel and Burn. Yeah.
1: yeah, I got that. I want to say it was probably a BMG record. like Okay. A one penny
0: Got it in the mail in a little cardboard box.
1: Yeah, I'm one of those. Hey, what the hell? I kind of like that one song. I'll I'll pick this up.
0: Yeah, I probably. I don't actually don't know that I actually bought the records back in the day. I own that record now, or CD now. I mean, I don't have it on vinyl. I don't. I don't think I bought it when it came out. I might have ripped a burned CDR from <laughs> someone at some way at some point, but uh, I was not. Hugely into uh, Stabbing Westward and their sounds. Let's get into some of the comments. People who mentioned Stabbing Westward, I'm going to I'm gonna start with them. Uh, Steven Muzinski says, uh, Man, this is going to be a tough choice. I loved Stabbing Westward for quite a while now. I love the cause to revisit this one. I also love Fugazi. Estro I checked out after the 1998 Roundtable episode, and I was digging it. But I've never heard of Vast. Based on the first three comments, I think I need to check them out. So... Uh, Keith Soros said I'm going with Vast as well Davey Bright End Hits Rory Stevens I finally joined the Patreon page After seeing that Stabbing Westward's Darkest Darkest Days album Was up for a poll Just in time Rory And guess what It uh, it came out ahead Have loved this podcast for a while now Thanks. Just was too lazy to join Understandable (laughs) But finally was motivated after seeing Stabber Westward up for a poll This album has so many feels to it as it chronicles the process of being in a relationship. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, at times, this album was a dark point in my life while personally going through a bad breakup of my own, but now finally being happy and content, I look at this album as a classic, being able to capture so many emotions on one CD. While Save Yourself was a huge hit, which I agree was a great track, Everything I Touch, How Can I Hold On, Sometimes It Hurts, Haunting Me, and When I'm Dead Really Stand Out is the best tracks on the album. Thank you guys for all you do with this wonderful music podcast and keep up with the great work. Thank you, Rory. We'll keep, uh, keep it on as long as you guys keep chiming in and giving us great feedback and talking about these records. Uh, Dewey Cole says, this is tough, but that Stabbing Westward record is my favorite of theirs. Got to go with that one. Uh, Keith Badge went with Astero. Johnny Hooper went with Fugazi. And Keith Sawyer chimed in again and said, at least Stabbing Westbird inspired a great Wesley Willis song. I, I think Wesley Willis was inspired by a many artist, from what I remember of his catalog. Um, Patrick Testa said, I like much of the Astero record when it came out and looking at it now. If someone, someone would would say it's a perfect snapshot of the era, I would not have much to argue against that. So he went with Astero. And then Jim Liskowski also went with. Well, he said, I'm. His heart said Fugazi, but my brain is curious about a stabbing Westford conversation. That is uh, what we assumed happened happen with regards to the poll. That sound was ubiquitous after Nine Inch Nail broke through with Closer. Even jocks at my school were singing, what do I have to do by stabbing westward and wearing their t-shirts. I remember buying cheap UCDs of bands like Gravity Kills and KMFDM, listening to them once and then never picking up their follow-ups. Looking forward to all future episodes. Oh, well, thanks, Jim. And then we actually, so after the poll was won by Steadion Westward. I put up a separate post for anybody who wanted to chime in specifically just on that. And uh, Patrick Testa mentioned a comparison to Gallows Underwater. And I think that that's probably going to come up by one of us, perhaps me. And then, uh, yeah. So let's get into this record. That's That's enough chatter about what people thought. Let's, a lot of good me, feedback. A found. lot of good feedback. Very helpful. So. Darkest Days, Stabbing Westward. This is our second, I guess, industrial record in a row. We just did Skinny Puppy. Now we're doing Stabbing Westward. We have some comparisons to make, uh, maybe between the two. Uh, That record got uh, slammed for being an attempt to be a commercial sellout, and we were like, what? No, it's not. (laughs) So uh, let's let's talk about – there was no accusations here. This was a band that was trying to get on the radio from their first record or second record, Ungod was their first record, but let's talk about this record, Jay. Tell me one thing you liked about Darkest Days by Stepping Westward. Uh,
1: I like the. It, it's interesting to listen to this band because there's a lot of vocal uh, production going on here, and yep, uh, it's usually to really good effect. And I think what's what's interesting about it is I'm trying to figure out like how good of a singer he is, and how much of the effects he needs, and how of it, how much of it is just you know to to create an aesthetic for the music. Mm-hmm. Um there's a lot of good tricks here going on that they they use to really pull you in um to parts where you know he gets into pretty much like a highly compressed whisper to full-on screams um and dynamically music is really driven by how the vocal sounds, the way he sings and the way it's produced. Um there's also a lot of layering going on. there would be sections where There's multiple versions of his voice, and then they'll also use reverb and delay um, to to great effect. So when he goes into the loud, you know, there's a wall of of guitars and keyboards at times, and then he'll go into the scream, and then they'll put on, I I guess it's a reverb um, as well to really just create this epic, huge arena-sized sound. That that I, I, I had a good time just pulling apart and, and analyzing. In general, I think there's um, f- I, you know, I think for the most part they're just a rock band under the underneath all of this, mm-hmm. and it's really just production um, that creates like the industrial kind of sound. I think these songs are largely just rock songs when you deconstruct them. They're you know so you can hear the guitar riffs they're based on, um, but I think they do a good job of of deconstructing that and creating something that's more unique. I think if they didn't have all the electronic influences and the industrial influences and they didn't uh, spend so much time in the studio, you know, kind of tweaking things and messing with things and breaking them, they would basically sound like Bush. You know, I I don't think there would be anything here that was uh, really that original. So I think the kind of co-opting the, industrial electronic thing is is the way that this band can uh, i think distinguish themselves so uh, so in all that i i I appreciate the approach i think it holds up fairly well we'll get into it deeper but i was kind of surprised that i found it to be uh, for the most part you know it sounds fairly contemporary i guess or at least not totally ridiculously dated um which i which i assumed it would when i went into the record uh maybe because it's later in the 90s uh i'm not sure or i don't know but um i thought it held up fairly well as well for being so technology heavy Yeah, those are some of the highlights for me. What about you?
0: Yeah, I, I just want to backtrack real quick because I I've completely ignored it. This is the band's third record. Uh First album, Ungod, came out in uh yeah, no, sorry, '94. Wither, Blister, Burn and Peel came out in '96. This came out in, on April seventh, nineteen ninety eight, and then a self titled album came out two thousand one, May of two thousand one, and then there's been like compilation albums that have been released since then. And they're from Macomb, Illinois. It's, it was The founders were Christopher Hall and um, Walter Flaccus. So, in terms of the one thing that I liked, you know, you mentioned it, there is a lot going on here production-wise, and you can just sort of like sit back and, and listen just for all the insane amounts of uh, production. And I was looking at like, who was actually involved in this record. And it's Dave um, Jordan, or I think that's how you say his name, who has a rich history of production going back to the 80s with working as an engineer for Brian Eno and and Talking Heads and working with uh, Jerry Harrison and Frank Zappa, Herbie Hancock. I mean, the guy's just got like an insane... Ca- you know catalog of records that he's been involved with and then of course he produced like ritual de hello Bichelo by jane's addiction and facelift by alice in chains and then later dirt by all he was the guy was basically responsible in some way for the sound of alice in chains which makes sense when you you know when you listen to this band because this band is basically kind of a, a little bit like alice in chains mixed with nine inch nails is a way i would describe it in terms of this heavy you know Alt metal guitar sound combined with the you know synth and pulse of a Nine Inch Nails. When it's on, man, it really works well. It's like, and it doesn't it doesn't sound aged. I was that was the thing that I was concerned about is whether it was going to sound some of the stuff that we've listened to. I think it was primarily more though like the dancier stuff when we were listening to the electronic episode. That stuff tended to me sound a little more aged and a little more pinpointed in the 90s, whereas this sounds a little bit, I think because of his production and, and you know what the band was doing, there's so much going on that it doesn't sound quite... There's no particular sounds here and there that pin it to just being in the 90s, other than knowing that this band is from the 90s. And I, that combined with the fact that they're clearly adept at writing vocal melodies and hooks i mean save yourself was the the lead single and it did re- did pretty well and it got them quite a lot of uh play outside of just being a single for the band it was used in multiple movies and it was used in tv shows and and other places soundtracks for you know games and stuff But there are a number of songs on here that like after the first listen i could i remembered the hook and when i was going back through it i was like the hook was in my head the second time through and the third time through, um, it's a long record, which we'll get into that a little bit more. But the songs that work, that have that hook and that have a um, a pretty straightforward, you know, rock format in terms of verse, chorus, and verse, that kind of thing, those really work really well. And you know, being on a major label, I'm sure they had you know a lot of pressure to follow up that previous record, which had a big single on it. From what I can tell they kind of did. I mean there this is one of the few bands that I can take a look at that had a breakthrough big single and then were actually able to follow it up in 1998 which you know if you were to ask me, you know, what was the follow-up single to Fastballs the Way, I would have no idea or yeah. you know what was Marcy Playground's fast, you know, follow-up to Sex and Candy? I, I don't know what it is. So this the fact that this band was able to write a song like Save Yourself which became another huge hit on a, on a follow-up record is kind of remarkable, based on what the track record was during the '90s.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I was, I'm with you on the, a lot of this record. It is a long record. Uh, I mean, if you listen to the show, you probably get sick of us talking about how long these records are, but it's 16 songs. It's a long record. It's over minutes. Yeah, it's well over an hour. So the fact that after a listen, I'm, I had the same reaction you did. second time through, I I found myself very familiar with a lot of these choruses to the point where I started to question, like, did I have this record? And was this (laughs) a single? And it just all seemed like eerily familiar after one listen. Now, it's deceptively hooky and poppy. You know, I mean, there's parts in here where it gets really aggressive and loud and, you know, uh, but underneath all of it. There's some pretty solid alt rock songs and most of them are, they surprisingly like in a three minute range Mm -hmm. too. So they do a pretty good job of trimming them up and getting to the point, really good production. Um, you know, everything on this is super compressed. Um, so every instrument on here is just compressed to the nth degree. Now that's part of the sound they're going for, but even still, you know, Overall, this this record could have in in less capable hands could have sounded like a total mess. Especially now, you know we revisit revisit some of these records, uh, you know twenty years later, but it, it still sounds pretty good. Now, when you crank it, it doesn't it doesn't sound as quite as great. But if you're in a, you know just listening at a normal volume, right. Um, For the amount of stuff that's going on, you get a good amount of separation and you can actually pull it apart and understand it. And that's saying something because this record's got – I mean they get to some of these choruses and there's distorted bass and like three distorted guitars and then a clean guitar and a keyboard over top and a backwards loop and two drum machines and like (laughs) – you know. I would
0: love to see like a making – I wonder if there's like a documentary or any sort of like behind-the-scenes footage – of them making this record because like you and I have been in a recording studio with mm-hmm. you know like a twenty four track board. Yep. I could not imagine how this record is made with yep. all this stuff going on. Like they must have had sixty four tracks and used every single one of them because <laughs> there is so much stuff. It is so dense, and not only is it dense, but like the fact that they're able to mix it all in a way that makes sense, so that everything is actually incredibly well mixed and clear. You can actually pick out every little oddball note that they're throwing in on a synth here and a keyboard there, and a, you know, an extra, like you said, an extra drum percussion. And there's just so much stuff going on. You're just like, they must have spent weeks, just weeks tweaking each song with the mix. I just, it would like burn my brain out just trying to get through all of that. I guess you have to, you know, it starts with capturing the sounds and getting the sounds you want, but like, man, oh man, that has to be a long process to to actually get it all together. And I understand why there's multiple uh, assistant engineers (laughs) who are credited to this record. I think besides Dave Jordan, there's two other engineers and then four other assistant engineers who are, I I assume that those aren't all just guys getting coffee. Like those are guys who are actually like, you know, helping with mixing and setting up equipment and getting sounds and all that kind of stuff. So I, there's, A lot going on and so the from what i read the reason why there are 16 tracks is because this is a a a play in four acts essentially the first four songs are about um it's a concept album the first four songs are about sabotaging a relationship the second act tracks five through nine are about lust hope and longing Act three, which is tracks ten through twelve, is about hitting rock bottom, and then acts Act four, which is tracks thirteen through sixteen, is about recovery and self respect. There you go. Jay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Now, I don't know that in listening to this, I picked up on that. I needed to read about it to know that that was what was going on.
1: Sure. Does that make a difference? Well, I mean, you got to know if you don't. don't hear it you don't hear it so you know you can that's all that's nice but you know as somebody who's done creative things at the end of the day people don't understand what you're trying to communicate then it's all for really for nothing i guess i'll just say that um reiterate a little bit what i said in that we we're pretty critical of records that are this long um there are some slow spots as we get into what we don't like but it's a it's not a bad hour i mean it's not as no. rough an hour as as you could imagine it could be i didn't feel like the record really i didn't hear three different records or four different records that's for sure maybe lyrically i guess if you really analyze the lyrics you you could get it but there's not like a i didn't perceive a mood change from one you know first third second third in the last section uh, so Right. I didn't perceive anything
0: like that. Yeah, me neither. And I, I, I wonder if that was something that was applied after, or if that was something that was actually happening during the writing. Because I didn't pick up on anything that would separate the tracks. You know, when I'm listening to "Waking Up Beside You" versus "Haunting Me," I'm just hearing interesting songs. I'm not necessarily seeing some sort of a through line between those, you know, sections. In terms of what doesn't work, I was actually actually thought the album picks up steam after you get into it. Like, I understand the purpose of Darkest Days—you know, this slow build, this quiet like build into something—but like, it's a four-minute-long version. I think that if you're going to do that, it needed to be like a minute if you want to do like an introduction track, essentially, for the record. But it just—it kind of—it dragged
1: out a little too long. Yeah, I mean, to me, the record doesn't really start until track three.
0: Yeah, that was that was one thing that somewhat, I I, w- I was not in love with. I think the comparisons, obviously, to Nine Inch Nails are inevitable because you know, Nine Inch Nails were such a important part of the '90s and and bringing industrial rock to the to the mainstream, um, both with Pretty Hate Machine and then with the Downward Spiral. And what what was interesting is that when I was hearing this, I was almost hearing this as a bridge to, like, you know, obviously there's a a metal sound, but, like, some of the angsty aspects of the music started to bleed into, like, new metal territory. And that's where I started to hear, like, oh, we're, like, people who are into this might be into, like, corn, And that's not a place I really want to go to. But I Hmm. understand, like, you know, this sort of visceral rage anger angst you know we have brought that up before with certain acts and, and artists with regards to um you know what what was what were what were people rebelling against yep. <laughs> and it seemed like when we get to like that second and third tier of of the 90s with regards to uh new metal and post grunge or whatever you want to call it, it sort of like ran out of stuff to complain about and it was just like complaining about you know just wanting to break stuff, to put it in Limp biscuit terms. <laughs> right, right. And right. Uh, I felt like this was at times teetering on the precipice of, you know, like God Lives Underwater is a band I really like from the 90s because they, there's a lot of interesting synths, sounds, and, and grooves. And I really thought of them as more of an atmospheric, and, and I don't necessarily need to care what the lyric's about, just as long as there's a cool melody. And there's parts of that band that I hear in in this band um with like haunting me but then some of the louder more aggressively metalish sounding stuff I was like oh like we're getting into like like new metal territory with some of this some of these things and that's where I kind of lost a, a little bit of interest when it got like really heavy and loud and kind of lost some of the electronic aspects and became more of a metal band i I mean, I like save yourself. Yeah. But could you not hear that as like a you know somebody could listen to that and then like listen to like Freak
1: on a Leash? <laughs> God, you're making me feel bad about liking this record now.
0: Not that no, but I but here's the thing: I didn't think of it as a bad
1: thing. I, I honestly don't even know. I could, I couldn't even tell you what that early corn stuff statement sounds like. I'd have to go listen to it to say for sure. You might be right. I
0: don't know, and it just might be just might be hearing like after. At, let me put it this way: in comparison to the skinny puppy record, which we just did, which yeah. when talking about like commercial appeal and whatnot, like that now sounds like it's from another planet compared to this. Whereas yeah. this seems very comfortable on. Radio, even though they're essentially doing the same thing, which is industrial rock, like this is so clearly honed for radio and MTV in 1998 um, that it's kind of funny that Skinny Puppy were considered to be doing the same thing, although two years earlier, which is when the, the previous record would have come out. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe this sounding so commercial made me think of like yeah and this is 98 so this is this is a contemporary not a precursor to new metal bands so it's not necessarily fair to say there's some sort of like influence or anything like that but uh yeah so i don't know it just it just I, i kind of heard some of the stuff that uh was in that ballpark of like raging to rage i guess I don't know, I don't know how else to put it exactly. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean there's some there's some generic like sounding angst. You know. I mean look no further than save save yourself. Right. That's um, just those lyrics alone are, you know, cannot save you, you cannot save me, you know, all this saving people from despair. <laughs> like right. that was a very common theme in the nineties. I don't we should you know, we could probably do a whole episode of just songs about people's talking about saving themselves or other people then that will dovetail right into our Superman songs episode. But uh, <laughs> there's definitely quite a bit of that. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, ex- it, this is easier to, I guess it's more accessible than the skinny puppy record is. I, I still think like, if you look at, I mean, rock radio is tough to say right, right now because what it is, but if you look at popular music, at least, like a song, a song like "Save Yourself" being on pop radio seems insane right now. Like right. everything that's on pop radio is just holy smokes. Like the sweetest, l- l- nothing abras- abrasive at all. I mean, just you know, not there's no angst, there's nothing. It's just all like right butter- butterflies and sex, like one or the other, <laughs> like. Um, So, you know, from that standpoint, it's a little, uh, you know, timeline and context is important when you when you talk about this. And um, I definitely think they sound like a competent alt rock band that writes some pretty great choruses and, and, and really understand dynamics. And then around it, it is all this other. Sort of aesthetic of electronic experimentation and industrial music. And I mean, I even heard, like, you know, if you remember that Tea Party record, there's parts of this record that sound quite a bit like the Tea Party as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and I hear deaf tones a little bit. I hear failure a little bit. But then you'll hear a section, it's like, oh my God, that sounds like Information Society from the 80s. <laughs> Like, you know, straight up, you know, keyboard, keyboard sounds and drum machines. And, um, luckily I think that's, those are the parts of the record that I struggle with a little bit. Um, a song like drugstore. I like a lot, but there's also like this squealing prodigy fire starter sounding synthesizer to the whole thing, which, um, is okay. But at some point you're like, okay guys, you can turn that thing off. Like I got it, I got it. Like, it's not really adding anything, in, anything to the song, you know, four minutes in. Um, uh, so there's, there's some, some trappings like that that this record has. Um, there are some slow parts. I don't think they do slow songs particularly well. So uh, a song like Drowning, track 10, not great. Goodbye probably should be the album ender, but it's not. Another quiet brooding song, like sort of in that last third that – is a little bit of a struggle to get through. there's songs like when I'm dead, which has great energy, but at that point in the record, you know, you really got to be knocking me out. And I think that's where this record suffers is just that second, or I guess that last third, I think there's some good songs in there. It's just, you start to get so exhausted and anything that's not just incredible is not going to get your attention at that point. So it's really, you know, um, hard to evaluate the last third of the record for me unless i was to take those songs out and just listen to them by themselves for a while but i I think there's some stuff in there that i like the thing i hate i like a lot it's just hard to say if it's better than some of the other material on the record because i i I just think i get into a groove about track three and then through three till about nine i'm solid on this record i like all of that i just can't say if any of the stuff towards the end is better than anything in the middle because by the time i get to track 12 i'm i'm getting pretty fatigued.
0: Yeah, and especially when he does the like the screaming. Yeah. Like towards that the latter half of the record is when i'm like, oh, "Okay, i don't need this at the end of the record. You should be cooling down now." But then you realize, "Oh, it's only track 12 or 11 or whatever. Of course he's we're not at the end of the record. We've got another, yeah. we've got another chapter to go in the story at that point." So now what's you know what's interesting is that I would have thought that based on the success of this record, you know, getting onto you know they have, this was a top twenty single, "Save Yourself," um, and it was a top five single on the mainstream chart. So think about that. They made they made top five on the U.S. mainstream chart, top twenty on the U.S. modern chart with "Save Yourself," and top four two other top forty hits from this record they got dropped after this Cri- record like they wow. were going they were going to make their next record with Bob Rock wow and then they got and they got dropped
1: that would have been cool to hear
0: yeah i would have been interested to see what he would have done with the band cuz i would imagine some of maybe the more rock elements would have been brought out a little bit more than cuz i don't think he's ever worked with you know this has been right after he worked with Metallica on load and reload so
1: I hmm. wonder what yeah. that would have sounded like well, I. Um, but then I think of that uh, that Our Lady piece record that he did that I hated. Oh, Gravity. So he can always go in that direction, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, although I th- didn't he do the cult record before that, Beyond Good and Evil? Right,
1: yeah. Well, yeah, and he did the, the self-titled cult record that we like a lot. And it's really – Yeah. Pers- in a really cool way. So, I mean, you never know. There, some of his stuff I love and then there's other stuff – where he's taken bands and just made them so generic, it's painful. Right. So you know where he'd go. It's almost like the more creative the band, the more he like whitewashes them, and the the less creative they are, the more creative he makes the record sounds.
0: So Jay, let's give our overall ratings on Darkest Days. Worthy album, and it's got to be you know pretty worthy to make for sixteen tracks. Uh, worthy album, better EP, or decent single? Where do you lie?
1: I'm going to beat a worthy album. I, I can't believe. I know. I can't believe going in. I did not think I would like this record. But not all 16,
0: um, right? You're going to cut it down to like 14, 12, Yeah, and still beat an album, but like 12-song album?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think a, a, this is a 12-song record to me. Okay. Uh, now... Even at 16 there's nothing on here that I hate. There's a couple slow songs that I that I would skip, but I was surprised how much I enjoyed this and how how well it it plays for 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 being over an hour long.
0: I'll concur with you in the sense that 16 is ridiculous, but if you cut this to 11 or 12 songs, you got a really strong record. And I know that people are like what this stabbing westward? They suck. Blah blah blah. They're just Nine Inch Nails rip off. It's it's not like it's it's in a different ballpark in terms of they're they're doing a little their own thing here, and it's yeah. There's ta- there's a little bit of nice Nails. There's some godlows Underwater. There's some Depeche Mode sounding things and some you know Killing Joke and Ministry and all that stew is is in this record. But like I said, you know, Dave Jordan brings that big guitar rock sound from working with people like Allison Chains on a bunch of records, and it really makes this sound like a big rock record in a lot of ways too. So um, it so it works in both, and just sounds really cool.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's um, it's a surprise. Yeah. I, I give it a shot if you haven't listened to it in a while or ever. Um, give it a spin, see what you think.
0: Yeah. So, if you like what you heard on this episode, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. And of course, you can join us at Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Dig Me Out. for as little as a buck a month. You can vote in our polls like on this episode. You can get bonus content, which we throw up usually about once a month, and also... entered into our quarterly contest like the one we just had so for jay i'm tim we're out and we'll be back next week with another episode of dig me out thanks
1: for listening to support the podcast visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber
0: at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com.